Chapter Twenty Seven, Part One of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Twenty Seven. Michael Armstrong sets out upon a dangerous expedition. Its termination proves rather more than he can bear. He meets a good man and takes service under him. He asks and obtains a holiday and meets several adventures in the course of it. Part One while this gay and happy party who would any of them have gladly exchanged pleasure for pain could they thereby have purchased only the knowledge of his existence were thus placing kingdoms between them the unhappy michael was still enduring all the miseries of an apprentice at the deep valley mill it would be difficult to imagine a stronger contrast in the situation of two brothers than that which many subsequent years presented between him and edward edward who had ever been to him as a dearer second self who had never enjoyed a pleasure unshared by him and never known a sorrow that had not also been his edward was enjoying all that nature and fortune could give while michael still hopelessly dragged on a wretched existence amidst unceasing and unvarying suffering at length the desperate resolution was formed which put the officials at the deep valley factory in the state of activity already described and where was michael the while safely ensconced in a sort of rude drain which he had himself assisted to construct when he held the regretted office of scavenger of the court and over the aperture of which he easily arranged sticks and rubbish sufficient to conceal him michael lay for many hours listening to the hubbub which his absence occasioned he distinctly heard the expression of mrs poulet's anger and scorn as messenger after messenger returned without bringing tidings of him and had moreover the advantage of knowing the track that he had purposely made on the grass which grew tall and rank immediately behind the factory had led them and would continue to lead them all one way while he would of course take a special care to go another having left his footmarks on the grass in the manner described michael had scrambled through the bushes which covered the steep hillside for the distance of a few hundred yards and then taking advantage of a layer of stones by which a patch of marshy ground had been rendered firm he again crossed from the hill towards the factory without leaving any trace behind by this simple device his pursuers were completely thrown out for when night came and he crawled out of his shelter no eye was open to look for him close to his prison walls though very keen ones were busy elsewhere in search of him the same strength of frame which had enabled him to escape deformity in the mill helped him well now as without food without sleep and with every pulse throbbing between hope and fear he strode rapidly onward on the road he had come with parsons four years before carefully avoiding its grassy margin however lest more footsteps might be traced then revolving with great clearness of local recollection the direction in which this road led after mounting the hill he firmly resolved as long as his strength lasted to pursue it till it brought him to the door of his mother's home provided always that he was not stopped short by the grasp of an overlooker in the way the necessity of procuring food had not appeared to him any obstacle to the undertaking for not only had he great faith in his own power of enduring abstinence but he had faith too in the impossibility of begging at a farmhouse door for a morsel of bread in vain nor did either hope deceive him he walked till nightfall with no other refreshment than water caught in the hollow of his hand from a trickling roadside spring and a few blackberries snatched in terror as he hurried on as the darkness thickened round him he called a council with himself as to whether it would be wisest to lay down under the shelter of a hayrick and let sleep serve him for supper or to venture a petition for a morsel of food at a decent-looking mansion which he saw at some distance and walk on through the night if he succeeded 
by help of the strength so recruited after so many anxious reasonings pro and con he at last decided upon the latter and so well did his handsome face and simple assurance that he was very hungry plead for him that he not only obtained scraps sufficient for a hearty supper but a crust or two for the following morning and with this treasure he trudged on footsore indeed and with a pretty strong inclination to lie down and sleep but mental energy sufficed for many hours to conquer bodily fatigue and it was not till past three o'clock the next morning that he yielded and at last laid himself down in a dry and as he thought it most delightful comfortable ditch and slept the sleep of youth and weariness for three or four hours the bright beams of an autumn sun shooting directly upon his eyes awakened him and he started up ready and able to walk forward sufficiently thankful for the hoarded crusts in his pocket he was now not more than seven miles from ashley a fact which she joyfully ascertained by a milestone on a road which he had reached he hardly knew how but it must have been missing not hitting the way he had endeavoured to find for parsons had not followed the high road from the town for more than a mile and that was before sir matthew's carriage overtook him michael looked backwards and forwards along this wide unsheltered road and trembled to think how easy it would be to see and recognize a fugitive from any spot within sight of it but there was a burning impatience at his heart when he thought of home and remembered that he was within two hours walk of it which left all caution far behind and commending himself to god he set off at the fleetest pace he could achieve towards ashley no system of pursuit however alarmed him from the moment he quitted the mills to that when he reached what had once been his mother's door no terror of the kind had come near him he had heard no whispering voices nor seen shadowy figures stealing towards him from a distance all he had most feared was got through with ease but all he had most fondly hoped turned out a fearful blank as michael drew near the door he remembered so well every object which met his eye that he began to fear lest he himself might be remembered by others and making a circuit to avoid sir matthew's mills he reached hoxley lane without having met a single face he knew it was a tremendous moment for him that in which he first caught sight of the lowly door through which he had passed a thousand times in eager anticipation of his mother's kiss some minutes followed before he could reach it and the boy trembled so violently that he tottered as he hurried onward like a drunken man at length his hand was on the latch it yielded as in days of yore and in an instant the door was wide open before him poor michael what death can have a pang so bitter as that he felt when the almost impossible project of reaching his mother's home being performed he found that home empty and desolate and telling him as plainly as angels trumpet-tongued could do that she was dead a dismal groan burst from him and he sunk on the floor just where he had last stood gaily talking to her of his bright fancies for the future a few hours before he was snatched away from her for ever the noise he made reached the ears of a woman in the front room and she opened the door of communication to ascertain who it could be rummaging in the empty room that was to let my gracious i should like to know who you are what do you want here you ragamuffin is this the way you come to take lodgings pray this was said by a young and pretty woman who held a baby in her arms and who being the wife of a confidential overlooker had not only succeeded to the occupation of number twelve upon the death of mrs sykes and the dispersion of her family but considered herself privileged to assume on most occasions an air of great importance mother lived here said michael with a look wretched enough to soften the heart of the saucy girl who had addressed him your mother my poor boy 
are you the little orphan armstrong then was the reply is mother dead said the unhappy boy dead to be sure she is and where can you have been not to know that wasn't you with her when she died no 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 sobbed michael i came to find her poor fellow that's dismal enough to be sure i bean't ashley born but i have heard a deal since i comed here about the widow armstrong and the boy as died died echoed michael looking wildly at her is he dead too is my poor teddy dead surely he is replied the unthinking young woman who in truth knew nothing about either the widow armstrong or her son but remembered hearing that a little more than a year before she took possession of the premises a widow armstrong had died in the back room for grief at having lost a boy she was far from intending to be cruel to the poor lad who looked himself so very nearly like a corpse but was too indifferent upon all subjects which did not immediately concern herself to take the trouble of thinking before she spoke a few more questions might probably have obtained if not the truth at least some proof of his informer's ignorance of it but michael had heard enough he rose to his feet and without uttering another word rushed out of the room the state in which he then found himself was certainly nearly approaching to delirium his strength of body and mind completely exhausted by fatigue fasting and intense anxiety the blow which had fallen upon him was heavier than his reason could bear and he wandered forth into the fields without knowing where he was or having any distinct idea of what had befallen him his devious and unheeded path led him to a spot at the distance of nearly a mile from his former home at which several miniature rocks of sandstone give something of wildness and dignity to the little stream which for the most part runs tamely enough and looks little more than a wide and dirty ditch as it passes through the town of ashley a multitude of cotton factories with their tall chimneys mocking the heavens were visible in the distance on the other side and the boy stopped in his wild hurried walk to gaze upon them with a feverish consciousness that there at least stood something he had seen before a frightful flash of memory then shot across his brain his mother dead his darling edward dead himself a houseless friendless starving wretch who soon would be caught and carried back to the prison-house he ran from only to learn that he had no friend on earth such were the thoughts which racked him as he stood upon the edge of the rocky little precipice and fixed his eyes upon the quiet water that flowed some twenty feet beneath him it seemed to present an image of coolness and repose his burning lips longed to kiss the gentle ripple on its surface he drew nearer to the extremest verge i should be safe there he murmured looking downwards till his sick head reeled god forgive me he added raising his eyes to heaven but if i drown mother i shall go to thee and as he spoke the words he sprang forward and plunged into the stream the shock restored his wandering senses in a moment he felt that he was perishing though unconscious that it was by his own act and forgetting how little reason he had to wish for life struggled hard to grasp a bush that protruded from the bank in the stream but he could not swim and the efforts he made though they served for a minute or two to keep him afloat only increased the distance between himself and the object he endeavoured to reach his heavy shoes filled with water and dragged him downwards his strength failed his arms ceased to move and in another moment the water rippled over his head but poor michael's history was not finished yet a heavy-looking elderly man 
who had as little as possible the air of one desirous of seeking an adventure was in the act of examining some sheep in a field the fence of which was not fifty yards from the rocky ledge from whence the boy had sprung having completed his survey and directed two men who were with him to select a score or two from the lot the old man reposed himself upon a stile in the fence above mentioned and having chanced to turn his head from the sheep towards the spot where michael stood had watched for a minute or two the boy's agitated movements and demeanour but without the slightest suspicion of the frightful catastrophe that was to ensue no sooner however did he hear the splash occasioned by the plunge than he sprang over the stile with the activity of a younger man and calling to the others to follow him made his way with little loss of time to a bit of pebbly ground on a level with the stream and at no great distance from the point at which michael had sunk but short as the time had been the ripple had already disappeared from the surface of the water and no trace remained of the object of his search the two young men whom he had summoned to follow him though they had not seen the accident had gathered from his words that something terrible had occurred and clambering down the rocky cliff were by his side in a moment it is too late lads exclaimed the old man wringing his hands together i saw the poor distracted creature take the leap but he was sunk before i got to the bank and i take it he will never rise again i shall never forgive myself for not going to him when i saw him throwing his arms about in that wild way i might have guessed what was going to happen and may heaven forgive me for not preventing it tis a man who has thrown himself in inquired one of the men not a man but a fine young lad as ever you see poor fellow twas early days for him to have found sorrow enough to throw himself out of life that way if i had ran to him as i ought to have done and stopped the deed who knows but we might have brought him around to a better manner of thinking tis ten to one that he'll come to the top again yet if he hasn't done it already said the man but if he comes he'll come dead william replied the old man i don't know that rejoined the young shepherd the stream runs briskish round yon corner and would carry him right away with it but it's worth while having a look lower down if he rises at all twill be there and so saying the young man set off at a swifter pace than his master could follow him while the old man and the shepherd lad continued for a minute or two to watch the place where he had fallen halloo 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 cried a voice at no great distance that's william by all that's good exclaimed the young shepherd and without waiting for his companion's reply he ran off at full speed the old man following with no lagging step and at the distance of a few yards after turning the corner formed by another huge mass of sandstone rock they perceived william breast deep in the water and grasping at the utmost extent of his arm a limb of the drowning boy before the old westmoreland statesman for such he was could overtake his young companions the hero of our tale was lying high and dry upon the bank but whether life was quite extinct or still lingered in the cold coarse-like form between them was a question which when the old man joined the group the young ones were not able to answer luckily for michael the old statesman had seen a man saved from drowning some thirty years before and he remembered enough of the process he had then witnessed to enable him to give some very useful instructions on the present occasion they managed to make their patient discharge from his mouth some portion of the superfluous draught he had swallowed and after bestowing patient and assiduous friction on his breast and limbs they had the great satisfaction of seeing the chest heave with returning respiration 
and all other symptoms of revivification follow in their proper order till the eyes of michael were once more widely opened and fixed with perplexity and something like terror on the faces which were bending over him thank heaven ejaculated the old man earnestly he's safe now at least from drowning and i have not got that to answer for but he isn't in a trim to be left my lads he would have been as well in the river perhaps as out of it if we do no more for him then causing michael to sit and examining his features with a glance of very friendly curiosity he said you don't look like a bad boy my poor fellow what could have set you upon doing such a desperate action the effort which the poor boy made to answer was ineffectual and he only shook his head i suppose it's over soon as yet to expect any information from him resumed the old man so there's nothing to be done as i see but just to carry him up between us if he cannot walk to the nag's head and have him laid upon my bed there till he is in a condition to tell us something about himself can you feel your legs yet my boy he continued endeavouring by the help of his man william to make him stand up but michael had no power to second their efforts the two lads therefore raised him head and heels and preceded by the grey-haired farmer bore him between them above a mile to the humble hostelry of the nag's head the procession was too remarkable a one to escape notice and before it reached the shelter of the little inn a miscellaneous crowd of men women and children had joined it many of these had been familiar with the features of poor michael in days of yore but not one of them recognized the widow armstrong's boy in the long-limbed pallid figure that they now gazed upon muster thornton the westmoreland yeoman and farmer was too substantial a customer to be refused any reasonable favour and the ragged dripping michael was not only permitted to lie down on muster thornton's best of beds but accommodated promptly with dry linen and duly comforted with more hot brandy water sugar and biscuits than he had any inclination to swallow he took enough however to remove the faintness of inanition and this together with dry linen and a bed sufficed in spite of the heavy sorrows upon which his mind had not yet dared to fix itself to soothe him into a long and healing sleep when he awoke from it he was capable of answering all the questions mr thornton put to him and this he did with a simplicity of pathos that went straight to the good man's heart that he had been working in a distant cotton factory where he had been very hardly treated and having got away to see his mother and his brother had found them both dead was a tale that if it could not excuse the desperate act which he had attempted at least accounted for it in a manner that left as much to pity as to blame poor boy poor boy exclaimed the old man with tears in his eyes it was wrong and wicked very wrong and wicked but you must pray god to forgive you my boy and never think of any such desperate doings more i did not know what i was about if i remember rightly said michael my head seemed gone i don't know how i got to the river but i am sure i did not go there on purpose so much the better i am glad to hear it and it's no great wonder sure enough if you did lose your head coming to such a home as that but what are you to do next my poor fellow i suppose there is no other home for you is there i have no home nor a single friend in the whole world replied michael and the only work you have ever been used to i suppose is following the wheels in the factories said the farmer except once for three months and a bit that i was kept to cleaning the outhouses and yard and wheeling away garden rubbish and such like replied michael well but that's better than nothing boy 
at any rate you know how to hold a spade which is a long deal better than having never used your fingers except for tying bits of thread do you think you should be willing to work for me my boy and tend my farmyard stock and do a turn of work in the fields when it was wanted i should be willing sir replied michael while a flush passed over his pale face i should be willing and most thankful to work for you that's well said the old man cheerily and as to terms i don't expect we shall find much difficulty you will come to me my poor fellow much in the same condition as you first come into the world therefore all you want i must find which will be about as much as i can afford to give i take it just at first till you and i too find out what you're good for will you agree to it my lad and give me your time and best endeavours for clothes food lodging and good will it will be a blessed bargain for me sir said michael if you will add to all your goodness the excusing my ignorance but if will was all that was wanting to make a good servant you should not lose by me and will is all that is wanting boy you are no fool i take it by your looks and if you will mind what is said and do your best i shall ask no more what is your name my good fellow michael michael armstrong sir well then michael armstrong i am your master and you are my man and now you must eat and then you must go to sleep again i think till i have got some decent clothes for you those you wore yesterday have had a good washing to be sure nevertheless i don't justly like the looks of them within six months from this time michael armstrong promoted to a place of trust might have been sitting upon the hillside in one of the most romantic spots in westmoreland a shepherd's maud wrapped round his person a sheep-dog at his feet and his master's flocks nibbling the short grass around him on all sides many were the solitary hours he thus passed and very rich was the harvest they brought him had the boy remained a year or two longer in the state that quote, blocks out the forms of nature preconsumes the reason famishes the heart shuts up the infant being in itself and makes its very spring a season of decay asterisk had michael remained a year or two longer at the deep valley factory in the state thus admirably and accurately described it would have been too late for any contemplation of god's works to have roused his withered spirit to worship and to hope but as it was his mind seemed to awaken day by day from the long and heavy sleep in which it had been plunged with an intellect naturally vigorous and covetous of acquirement and having had his first infant stretch of thought happily and indelibly directed though with primeval simplicity to one god and father of all his transition from a condition in which quote, scarcely could you fancy that a gleam could break from out those languid eyes asterisk to one quote, sublime from present purity and joy asterisk wordsworth was rapid and delightful his heavy losses were not forgotten but while he meditated beneath the bright arch of heaven on the mother and the brother he had so fondly loved there were so many sublime and hope-inspiring thoughts mixed with his sorrow that it could hardly have been called painful the worthy statesman to whose service he had bowed himself though he did not perhaps follow michael through all the improving processes which his mountain occupation led to nor very clearly comprehend the elevating effect of the skyey influences under which he lived was no way slow in perceiving that the samaritan feeling he had so opportunely displayed in the township of ashley 
had bound to his service one of the most trustworthy, active, and intelligent lads he had ever met with. There is always, moreover, in the human heart a propensity to cherish whatever we have preserved. And this feeling, joined to his more worldly-minded approbation of Michael's good gifts, rendered Muster Thornton exceedingly fond of the boy, and well inclined at all times to grant him every reasonable indulgence. But Michael rarely taxed his kindness as far as it was ready to go. Once he had asked and obtained leave to mount to the top of Helvellyn, and once to make a Sabbath day's journey over the mountain tops to Oldswater. These were the only occasions on which he had expressed any wish to wander beyond the immediate neighbourhood of the farmer's sheep walks, and, in truth, this immediate neighbourhood included so many mountain torrents, glassy lakes, stupendous crags, and sylvan solitudes, that there was little need to go beyond it in order to gratify a passion for the picturesque. But when Michael had attained the age of eighteen years, a longing and somewhat restless desire seized him to revisit the place of his birth, to seek for the graves of his mother and Edward to learn tidings of the kind-hearted martha to discover if possible whether his own escape from the deep valley had been communicated to sir matthew and to ascertain whether he still stood in any danger of being reclaimed as an apprentice in case of its being discovered that he was at liberty as to any danger of being personally recognised at ashley he feared it not conscious that from his remarkably tall stature and florid health he was too unlike the factory boy of former days to run any risk of being known it was however some months after this wish first suggested itself before he took courage to name it to his indulgent master when at length however he did so the good man not only gave his free consent but declared himself well pleased that such a project had entered his favourite's head it will do thee a power of good mike said he the only fault i have to find with thee is that thee be as too steady for a lad of thy years and that looks as if with all our care and coaxing we have not yet been able to make thee forget thy sorrowful childhood set off in god's name my boy stay as long as thou wilt but only promise to come back at last for i think it would be heart-aching work to part with thee michael gratefully promised a speedy return and dressed in his best attire he set forth upon his much-wished-for pilgrimage to his early home it was the pride the spring-tide of the year every leaf was opened yet every leaf retained the new-born freshness of its lovely green the birds saluted him from every bush the herds lowed from amidst their dewy banquet in a note that spoke their measureless content and every object on which his bright young eye fixed itself seemed to echo the abounding gladness of his own heart how elastic was the step with which he passed along how proudly and thankfully did he feel conscious of his own high place amidst this wondrous creation and how perfectly was he convinced despite all he had read during his lone hours on the mountain-side of the splendour of the cities of the earth that nothing on its whole surface could exceed in grace and glory the majesty of the gorgeous sun as he rose triumphantly from out his bed of gold had every thought of the boy's heart been chronicled a very poetical sort of hymn would have been the result but as it was all the glowing thankfulness the heavenward rapture and the joy supreme was but for himself alone yet was it not thrown away for michael enjoyed his own existence during these early hours with an intensity that made him feel all his former sufferings most benignantly overpaid by his present happiness yet in the midst of this tears more than once started to his eyes as he thought of his mother and the brother he had so entirely loved his very soul longed to have edward by his side 
as various fancies chased each other through his fertile brain and the image of little fanny too with her soft reasoning eyes as she used to look at him when preaching patience at the deep valley mill as he fondly laboured to recall it made him sigh in the midst of his pleasure and his freedom to think how sad it was that all he had ever loved should have passed away from his eyes for ever but amidst the million proofs of tender commiseration for the sufferings incident of necessity to our place in creation which those who run may read if they are not very great dunces indeed there is perhaps none more remarkable than the gradual softening of the agony which all who survive what they love are doomed to feel the state which follows though as sad as the darkness of the lonely night made visible by the pale backward glances of the parting moon has the same soothing stillness too passion is over anxiety at rest and we feel more than consoled we feel joyful as we remember that we too shall pass away and follow them the journey to ashley cost michael three days smart walking but his pockets were no longer in the condition they had been at the time of his never-to-be-forgotten escape from the deep valley he had proved himself a good and faithful servant and the worthy yeoman paid him accordingly so that he had wherewithal to recruit his spirits and his strength as he jogged along and reached the hospitable nag's head in his native town on the third evening rather the better than the worse for his pleasant toil his first walk on the following morning was to ashley churchyard but here he was obliged to content himself by knowing that the dear relics of those he wished to honour were near him for of course the only indication by which he could guess whereabouts these precious relics lay was to be found in the want of all memorial on the sunny side of ashley churchyard a number of handsome tombstones may be seen many a massive monument is there protected by its strong and stately rail and thereon may be read by those who list the important fact that some one who bore a christian appellation lies below to the north where the grass grows strongest though the sun never comes to cheer it are a multitude of little nameless unclaimed hillocks closely wedged together and rarely showing even a withy band across the swelling sod to testify that some one has cared for what lay hidden under it to this green republic michael turned himself and knew full surely that it was there his mother lay another though even as humble as himself might under similar feelings have addressed inquiries to the parish sexton and endeavoured to set his memory to work as to the exact spot where he had buried her but this michael dared not do for it would be at once losing the advantage of his incognito and laying himself very needlessly open to the danger of being reclaimed by his old enemy sir matthew as a bound apprentice who had run away so he contented himself with walking carefully and with reverential tread through and amongst the many grassy mounds permitting his tears to flow freely as he thought of teddy and the dear gentle mother who had so equally loved them both and then turned slowly away following a path that brought him at the distance of a mile or so to brookford factory the sensation which he felt when the great many-eyed monster first met his sight was one of unmixed pleasure he literally hugged himself and blessed the freedom of his limbs the firm and healthy action of his pulse and the delicious consciousness that he was no man's slave for many minutes he stood still to enjoy this and as his eyes perused line after line of the dusky smoke-stained windows and recalled the early sufferings he had endured within them his very heart swelled with gratitude for the change and he blessed god aloud but as he approached nearer and perceived the dim shadowy figures slowly moving here and there and thought upon the condition of each of them he almost repented of his selfish joy 
and blamed the ecstasy that for a while had made him so utterly forget that thousands were imprisoned still though he was free on and on he walked with his eyes immovably fixed upon the hideous fabric till sooner than he expected it he stood before the gates he had conceived no previous plan by which to enter it and knew that without some specific business real or feigned it would be impossible but while he stood weighing the danger of possible discovery against his very strong inclination to see what alteration time had made in the troop within whether he should recognize any among them and whether his old tyrant parsons was still their chief the grates opened and one of the engine-men a grisly fellow whom he well remembered when his sable hair was somewhat less silvered came forth he gave michael a look that very plainly said what do you want and in truth his neat appearance unstained skin and free unshrinking eye very naturally suggested the idea that he could have no business there is mr parsons within said michael boldly and daring the inquiry as much because he knew not what to say as from any deliberate resolution to do so yes replied the man he is about the place somewhere i seed him not more than ten minutes ago michael nodded his head and walked through the gate into the court across which he had passed in trembling a thousand times nor was he now quite free from a slight feeling of alarm at the idea of meeting the sharp eyes of his former terrible taskmaster and felt much inclined to blame himself for the curious temerity which had brought him so nearly within his gripe but it was too late to retreat for at the distance of a dozen yards he saw parsons before him coming forth from the building into the court on seeing the stranger he immediately approached him michael touched his hat End of chapter twenty seven part one